Hey y'all, welcome back to another episode of the Unbound and Rewound podcast, a horror podcast where we dissect every horror book and movie to take a closer look into their bone-chilling anatomy. I am Avery, your book and movie-loving host, and today I have a very special episode for you. It's a little on theme of the movie coming out this week, but actually no, it's not even coming out this week, it's coming out today. But before we get into the nitty gritty of everything, what are we watching? What are we streaming? What are we reading? I currently am not really watching anything as I'm recording this podcast, but I've watched a few shows here and there. There is a new horror show. It's a little British show on Netflix called Red Rose, and it was pretty good. It's kind of like the movie Unfriended. In a way, it's all about, like, the fear of technology and hackers getting into your phone, whatever. Um, And kind of, like, Nerve, too. That's um, That was a good show. I feel like I also watched another, like, horror-y show recently. But I can't think of it. I also recently watched Black Swan, which is always a great movie to watch. I mean, Mila Kunis... Natalie Portman, ballet. What more can what what more can I ask for? Really, I recently read *The Monsters in Our Shadows* by Edward J. Symbol, hopefully Kimball, Symbol, whatever. Um, it actually just released on February twenty eighth. It was a really good book. I had some some gripes about it, but nothing too big. If you're interested in what I truly had to say about it, what I truly thought, you can find that on my Goodreads, which is always linked in the show notes below. Uh, Make sure that you do follow my social medias, my Goodreads, my Letterboxd, my Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, so that you can see what I'm reading, what I'm watching, but also so that you can tell me what you're reading and what you're watching because I'm always interested in that. If you have any sort of suggestions, whether that's a TV show, movie, or book, definitely let me know because potentially I could cover it on the podcast and maybe even you could be on the podcast too to talk about it. The guest forms are always in my show notes, so if you're ever interested in being a guest on the show, make sure you check that out. And now, let's get into it. This week on the podcast, I while I was like trying to plan out and, and sort out what it is that I was going to cover on this episode, I couldn't do a Scream 6 review because l- the movie literally comes out today and... Uh, Listen, as much as my podcast is worldwide and well-loved, I just I just could not get um, a, little, a little excess excess pass to the movie before it actually came out. But I am seeing it today as we speak. So if you want to see that review, it will be on my Instagram and maybe Twitter, definitely Letterboxd. So run on over there, see exactly what it was that I thought about the movie. But before any of us see the movie, we have to understand what it is that the Scream franchise has set up for us, right? Because every movie has a little bit of every other movie that came before it, 
right? It's one thing about this franchise that I absolutely love is that it just takes little tiny pieces from each other to create a brand new movie. But at the same time, like, the new movies are still like they'll they're still going to subvert your expectations in one way or the other you're going to hear me say that so many times in this episode so like you know subverting expectations because that's one thing that this franchise does all the time very very well and that's one thing that i think is going to happen in scream 6 this episode in particular is all about the scream fan theories particularly to scream 6 all pretty much based off of the trailer that we saw like three months ago when it was released. So in this episode today, I'll be talking about the fan theories and pretty much just giving my thoughts on them, how true I think they are. Before we even get into that, we have to talk about what was in Scream 5. It's been a while since we've seen Scream 5. It came out around this time last year. And it was so good. I absolutely loved it. That's that's where Jenna Ortega, you know, came on the scene to shine. Of course, she was in Disney Channel before, but who was watching it? I wasn't because I was an adult. But she broke out in Scream 5 and in X all at the same time. And she's just been going ever since. So I'm very excited to see what she brings to the table in this movie. But in Scream 5, she helped a little um, in terms of subverting the expectations in the very beginning. I'll say it now, there are spoilers in this episode in terms of Scream 5 and all the other Scream movies. Um, so if you have not seen the entire franchise up until now, first of all, I literally don't know why... And I don't know why you want to see Scream 6 if you haven't seen Scream 5 or 4 or 3 or 2 or 1. So before you move on to anything else in this episode, I need you to pause and load those things up on your TV. They can actually be found on YouTube. I'm pretty sure the entire franchise is on YouTube. If not, Scream 1, 2, and 3 are on YouTube for free with ads. And then 4 is... On a, it's on a specific streaming platform. It's not on Netflix anymore, I don't think, but it's on a different streaming platform. And Scream 5, I think, is on Showtime. So you might have to jump all over the place to, to watch these, but I promise you it's worth it. In Scream 5, we met Tara and Sam. The movie opened up with the usual phone call from Ghostface. The narrative twisted our expectations when Tara ended up alive at the hospital. Vince Schneider, nephew of Stu Mocker, is the next to encounter and actually die at the hands of Ghostface. This counts as the first death, which triggers the revelation that Sam is related to Billy Loomis, original Woodsboro killer. She's his daughter. She's been seeing hallucinations of him. They call on Dewey, Gale, and Sidney Prescott to help stop the killer. They soon come to realize that the killer is picking off relatives of the original murders. The killers are revealed to be Amber, Tara's best friend, and Richie, Sam's boyfriend, who met on the online Stab fan club server. They're fueled by their hatred for the recent Stab installment and want to give Hollywood new source material for their beloved franchise. With the help of her dad's ghostly appearance, she kills Richie and Gail kills Amber. 
when Scream 5 came out, I feel like there were people who were not um, 100% happy with it from my memory. I don't exactly remember why they didn't like it, but I remember there being a little bit of mixed reviews. I do think it's one of those things that have grown on people, though, which they even talk about in like Halloween Ends and in Scream 5, where like it's one of those things, I think they call it a requel. So it's it's like um, a sequel that is derived from the original in one way or the other. So it's something that you're revamping the original story, but you're making it your own. People are expecting to see a lot of the same stuff that they saw in all the previous you know screams or halloweens or whatever franchise we're talking about so then when they do not get as they expected they can leave feeling a little disappointed however with the release of scream 6 everybody is excited so i feel like a year has given everyone time to reflect and say hey this is actually a really good sequel. Scream 6 is introducing a new cast, considering half of the cast was killed in Scream 5. But we're getting the return of Kirby, who is played by Hayden Panettiere. Laura is played by Samara Weaving. Quinn is played by Liana Liberato. Danny is played by Josh Sigara. Josh Sigara? All right. Jason is played by Tony Rivolori, and Detective Bailey, who's Quinn's dad, is played by Dermot Mulroney, who, wow, love him. He's in almost everything that I enjoy. New Girl, for one. He dates Jess for some time, which at first was a little weird of a combination, but I grew to love it. Scream 6 has set up a lot of expectations as well especially when it comes to the promo for it. Obviously, Scream 6 does not need any promotion beyond your standard like digital promo, but they've they've went up and beyond with that. So of course, I where I moved to New York, I'm seeing Scream stuff all over the place. I see Scream 6 billboards, I see them in Times Square, I see them when I'm getting on the subway, like I see them everywhere which love them. I even see them on taxis. But apparently, I saw this on Twitter, people are seeing ghost faces like in their cities. I personally have not seen one. I would like to know why I'm not God's favorite yet because I would love to see a ghost face in person. I mean, it's not like they're going around killing anybody. If this was for real... (laughs) hear me out if this was for real and like i saw a ghost face i'd be scared but like obviously this is marketing i would love to see a ghost face in person be like oh my god i was there i saw that person that'd be so cool and then all of the rave has been about the cinemark merch that has come out which you can buy it yourself like online but people have driven over two hours just to go to their closest cinemark to get ghost face cups and popcorn buckets and they're super cold don't get me wrong two hours though driving i'm okay that's okay i don't need it (laughs) 
If I really wanted it, I could buy it online. But I don't need it. Need it. I'm a fan. But Anyways, they're super cool though. And if you've seen them or haven't seen them, uh, check them out on the Cinemark website. The Ghost Face Cup, so freaking cute. But I already have a Ghost Face Cup. And I don't think I have the cabinet space for another one. Another promotional um, like thing that they're doing are movie theater fan events. I'm going to the one on opening day, which at the time you're listening to this is today. It is going to be in 3D because it's the first Scream installment that has ever been in 3D. So the fan event is in 3D. And I don't know, like, I kind of... So, like, you know in Scream 2, whenever they have the stab event and, like, they give out those different, like, all the different stab merch... Yeah, I really, really hope that it's like that because I want some Scream merch. Like, I'm going to a fan event. I am a fan, please. I want to leave with with a, with a goodie bag. But I'm excited nonetheless. I'm excited because there's something so special and fun about being in a room filled with, like, fans of the similar interests. When I went to see Halloween end on opening night, that was so fun because I literally sat next to, and you like you might have heard me tell this story before on one of my other episodes, but I literally sat next to a guy who had a Michael Myers mask like on a like uh, on a headstand and he was just like it was just sitting in a cup holder next to him and it was just so cool but like you hear all of the physical and emotional reactions of everyone and it's just a really fun and charged energy in the room so i'm very excited to go now that we've got all of that out of the way there's one more thing that i have to put out there to set us up for this conversation the horror movie roles now the the ones that i'm going to say specifically apply most to the theories that i'm going to cover in this episode of course, there are so many others, um, not only in Scream 5 that was released in 2022, but in the original franchise installment and 2 and 3. In every single movie, they talk about the horror movie rules. So, these are not the only two that there are. If you don't know all of them, you can literally find them with a simple Google search. But these are only these are the ones that are most important for this conversation. So, so we're all on the same page. The kills in a horror movie must always be connected to the original. And this is when we're talking about a sequel or a reboot, right? Which is, you know, a requel. This this movie, Scream 6, I think it's the sequel to the requel. I don't know what that terminology is, but It'll all make sense later. The second role that I want to highlight is there are always two killers. Now, I personally think that this role could very well change since we've seen the possibility of a ghost face cult in Scream 6. So I'll be interested to see how that turns out. I think, yeah, in some of, in like one of these theories, I talk about it a little bit more in depth. So I will be getting to it. I only chose three theories to cover because I had a lot to say on these three theories, especially the very last one. But if you know of any more theories, if you have any of your own, 
please let me know what they are. Um, you can answer the poll that'll be a part of this episode if you're on the Spotify app or I think even the Anchor app. You can find that poll underneath this episode or you can just reach out to me on Instagram and let me know and we can talk about it because I've had a few of you reach out to me and you know try to talk to me about the episodes or just about like something that I post on my story that's that has something to do with the episodes in general but like the conversations are always so fun so let's get into it theory number one is that fans believe Samara Weaving is going to be the new Drew Barrymore I remember seeing on Twitter I think before the trailer came out people were suspecting that Samara Weaving was going to make an appearance in Scream 6 I don't know why maybe that's because the people who um produced Ready or Not which is like her most recent horror movie that she starred in they also have been working on the newest Scream movies so maybe that's why they thought that she was going to make an appearance um but when the trailer came out I remember everybody like oh my god Samara Weaving it's been confirmed despite the excitement they do suspect that she's going to be a MacGuffin similar to that of Janet Lee in Psycho or Drew Barrymore in the original Scream they think she's going to be killed off in like the first 10-15 minutes and um she's literally only being used as a plot device however I personally think that's a little too obvious. I feel like this movie is going to be big on subverting the expectations because every movie we think we've already seen all that can be possible, right? After the first scream, you see that it was the least it was the person that you least expected. So then by the time you get to scream 2, then you're like looking out for the love interests. Meanwhile, it was Billy's mom the entire time who literally did not show her face throughout the entire movie, maybe like once. In Scream 3, it ended up being Sydney's brother, who we didn't even know existed. And then in Scream 4, it ended up being Sydney's cousin and her boyfriend, who we didn't even know were dating. We literally did not even know that they were in conversation. And so then by Scream 5... It was the same situation as Scream 4, really. Like, you had a high school student and a grown man, which is crazy. That's literally crazy. I don't think we talk about that enough. That was a grown man with a teenage girl. I think that by Scream 6, I just think that we're going to be seeing a lot of... it. They're just going to be taking everything that we know and turning it on its head like they always do. That being said... um. Scream 1 through 3 all had, like, the same opening scenes. I actually don't remember what Scream 3's opening scene was, but I remember Scream 1, of course, was Casey Becker. Scream 2 was Michelle Geller, who, she was a, a sorority girl. Um, I don't remember what Scream 3 was, but Scream 4 introduced this by showing two opening stab scenes where the women get killed similarly as Casey Becker before showing us the actual teens who were connected to the film's cast. I remember watching this for the very first time. 
I'm like, oh my gosh, but then it says stab. And you're like, oh. So then it shows another set of like teenage girls at home watching the movie. And that kill alone was crazy. Like she literally killed her best friend and they were just sitting down. Like there was no ghost face at all. And then it said stab again. And so like that that was an insane opening sequence. And I love it. It's my favorite. But I think um, in Scream... Oh, and then, you know, in Scream 5, Tara was terrorized by Ghostface, but she lived when we expected her to be dead. So while this could be paying homage to Casey Becker, because Samara Weaving, obviously she's blonde, but she's also wearing a tan sweater similar to Casey Becker in the original Scream Um, I don't think it's going to be an exact copy. I think they're going to find a way to, um, to, you know, like lead us into believing what we think is true and then just completely changing it. The second theory, uh, which I, I was looking into like, you know, all the different fan theories and I found this one, which I'd never even heard of before, but I absolutely love it a potential Kirby spinoff. Back around the release of Scream 3, a spinoff of the franchise was discussed. The idea was a storyline that would follow Gale and Dewey as they solved murders. It never moved forward, though, with reintroduction of Kirby and her new character as a cop, which... (sighs) It's a terrible, terrible change in storyline! She should have been something else. But I digress. This does open up a new avenue for a potential spinoff. That is, if she isn't the killer. This would be something I would watch for sure. Especially with streaming platforms picking up old horror franchises and creating spinoff series of them. It would be a fun horror show. And it could bring what we lost from the MTV Scream series. Uh, Peacock is doing a cramp. Peacock is doing a Camp Crystal Lake spinoff series. I think they're also doing Welcome to Dairy. I think that's them. It's either Peacock or Paramount Plus that's doing Welcome to Dairy, a spinoff of it. I think there's another horror movie franchise spinoff, but I can't think of what it is. Or maybe I'm literally just lying to you all. But this might be a very unpopular opinion. I'm not 100% sure because I haven't asked the audience. This is me asking the audience right now. <laughs> but I loved the MTV Scream series. Um, I loved how I originally watched it. Cause like, ooh, Bella Thorne. And then Bella Thorne literally died the first episode. I Wow. But I thought it was really good. I actually did not watch it all the way through the end, though, I will say. I think I only watched the first season. And I think I was just like, I don't know, going through something at the time. And I just didn't finish it. I never went back to it. But I believe it's on some streaming platform that I can very well watch if I wanted to. But I think this uh, this theory is a really fun one that I would be very interested in seeing because Cur- I loved Kirby in season four, not season four. I loved Kirby in, <laughs> in uh, 
Oh my god, I loved Kirby in Scream 4. I thought she was so fun, and her scene, which was, you know, which actually was a homage to Casey Becker in the original Scream. I love that scene, that's one of my favorites. Um, and then the third theory, which this one is kind of a lengthy theory, because there's a lot that goes into it. But who is the ghost face killer slash ringleader? Now, watching the trailer, you see this, like, shrine um, of ghost face and Woodsboro stuff. You see various different ghost face costumes and masks. You see evidence from all the different killings. And so, some say it could be a museum, but I'm like, why would there be a ghost face museum? You know, especially in New York City. Why would there be a ghost face museum? I personally don't understand why there would be because it's not like those murders happened there. If anything, it'd make more sense for Woodsboro to have a ghost face museum. But at the same time, part of it does make sense because the the whole thing with Scream is sensationalizing traumatic events. And so New York is iconic for doing that. Um, but yeah, so some people think that it's not even necessarily like a ghost face cult hideout slash shrine, but a museum. But this theory kind of bounces off the idea that what we see in the trailer is a shrine slash cult like gathering place. And so the very first possible killer that people have thrown around, which I don't know if this is me like wanting Stu Mocker to be alive, wanting to see Matthew Lillard like back in the franchise because I love him. But people do think that he could potentially be the ringleader slash one of the killers in this installment. Now you might wonder, how would he be alive? And fans suspect that his parents used their wealth. You saw his house in Scream 1 and in Scream in Scream 5. So they got the money. They suspect that his parents used their wealth to buy his freedom, which allowed him to move to New York, where he's just another face in the crowd, you know? Um, nobody knows him there, even if they know of the Woodsboro's murders. Like, he, his face just gets lost among everybody else's. Overall, Stu's participation... Overall, Stu's participation... Oh my god. Overall, Stu's participation in the first franchise installment is kind of overlooked in the movies, uh, Billy is referred to as the killer. That makes it a bit suspicious that so many of the items in the Ghostface Shrine belonged to Stu. Especially the TV that fell on his head. Which many of you may sit here and say, like, he obviously died. The TV fell on his head. But what if he just what if he just got burns on his face? What if his face is just a little mangled from all the burns and the cuts? Which could be super cool. I would love to see him in some practical makeup. Um, another kind of like red flag that makes people think, okay, this killer has to be like a little old, <laughs> is the worn and distressed mask in the trailer. It alludes to the idea that it is old, 
which perhaps could be one that Stu hung on to over the years. In the trailer as well, when Gail Weathers is face-to-face with Ghostface, the killer wipes the blood from the knife in the same manner that Stu trademarked in the original movie. Of course, this theory is no different from me believing that um, Eddie Munson from Stranger Things 4 is alive. But you know what? I, I am loyal and I am a believer and I have faith. So I think both are alive. I think, that, <laughs> I, I think that there's light at the end of the tunnel for both of these characters. And I will be happy to stick through to the end. One theory, though, one killer theory that I never even, like, thought of, I saw it, and I was floored. Because it's it's actually a really good idea, um, or a really good theory, and I feel like it's mapped out, it's mapped out fairly well. People have tossed around the idea that Leslie Mocker, Stu's older sister, would be the killer slash ringleader. In Scream 2, we saw that Billy's mom orchestrated all of the killings to avenge her son. If we're following the same sequel pattern, because technically Scream 6 is a sequel to Scream 5, um, it's possible that Leslie could orchestrate the killings to avenge her son, Ben Schneider, who died in Scream 5. I And, you know, then, of course, like, because she is... Stu's sister like avenging her um avenging her brother as well I just feel like I don't know Vince just seemed more like collateral damage to me like he showed up he was somebody's ex-boyfriend in Scream 5 and he just seemed like a like an afterthought of a character and so then he died, and that was that, to be honest. But at the same time, it's something that like nobody really is thinking of. So I feel like they could very well take that route because it's going to throw people off. The third killer, which people have other suspicions. Some people think it's going to be um, Dermot Mul- Mulroney's character and his daughter. I think it's going to be a father-daughter duo. But I'm kind of like, I, I don't know why, you know? Like, they literally have no connection to the original murders at all. Unless there's something that we don't know about them. But I just don't understand why they would team up and, you know, be a duo all of a sudden. I actually do like the theory that it could be Tara. Um, there was a a clip in the trailer of her, like it looked like somebody was keeping her from falling or like somebody was holding on to her and she was dangling and she had like this sinister look and well, like it was a smirk. <laughs> it was a smirk and uh, she had like her eye makeup was black and it was smeared all over her eyes. But if you had told me that she just took off the ghost face mask and she just fought her sister and like now she's dangling to her death, I would believe you because that's exactly what that what that shot looks like. However, this theory that I'm going to talk about is Kirby in Scream 4. Her death was neither confirmed nor denied, but the trailer revealed that she's alive and joining the cast. 
Apparently, she's a cop as well, which in a way replaces Dewey's role, but they could subvert our expectations by making her the villain. It would also explain how she could get a hold of all the shrine materials. I, I do like the idea of taking the cop role, which in whodunit movies and stories like this, especially uh, in Scream, like the sheriff slash police role has always been something um, of like a like an aide or like a oh, what's the word like um, a, a symbolism for good you know because Dewey was always literally there helping and like surviving and pushing through but in in Scream Five he died so it's like now we don't really have that like that cop character that people can turn to for for help and support they'll probably turn to Kirby because a she's been through this before but b she's also a cop however what if she is literally the killer and we would never see it coming because she's a cop i it's a it's a pretty solid theory i personally just don't want it to happen um because <laughs> i love her and i don't want her to turn bad like i just i don't know i don't see her being bad but you know whatever gets her a spinoff actually i'll say that so if her being a cop gets her or if her being a cop gets her a spinoff i'm here for it if her being a killer who just so happens to be a cop gets her a spinoff, I'm here for it. Either way, I want to see more Hayden Panettiere, quite frankly. And I don't care how we have to get it. I just want it. But um, that those are all the theories that I prepared because some of the other ones that I found just felt a little... Eh, eh, like lacking substance. I found one about Courtney Carter... Gail, Gail's scene um, where like Ghostface is in her apartment and people think that it's just like a red herring, a part of the trailer specifically. Like obviously she's not really about to die from Ghostface, um, but the movie wants us to, or the trailer wants to make us think that she does. And I personally don't care about, (laughs) I don't care about that um not that I want her to die that's not what I'm saying but I just feel like what what more is there to say on that you know it's a red herring it's a red herring if so fine if not eh, fine um what are some other ones that I saw though oh my god this was probably one of the most absurd ones that I did see and I really hope they don't take this direction because I would personally like my soul would not rest One of the theories that I saw um, suspected that it's Sam being the killer, but she's possessed by her dad's ghost. And she's not in control of her actions and her body. But, like, I don't know why that was a theory. I think it goes against everything that happened in, in like, Scream 5. Um... Especially with Sydney not being a part of the franchise anymore, or at least a part of this movie, 
why would Billy Loomis have literally anything to do with the murders anymore? Why would he want to kill anybody? They also, like, a part of this theory was the fact that his mom and him committed murders, so it's just in the blood, which, like, sure, but still, what would Billy's motivations be to possess his own daughter and go on a mass murdering spree? I don't think there is one. Um, I also think that just adds a different element to the Scream franchise, and I think that if they were to do that, it would completely change the tone of, like, the franchise and I think people would be upset to be honest maybe that's just me but I think people would not be happy because now you're now you're like you're creating this like supernatural paranormal element to it that was never there before and that's just not what we're here for like we're here for slashing and dashing you know yeah but anyways that's all the theories I prepared for you all. I wanted to keep this episode short just because I feel like the past two have been a little long. Past two or three have been a little long. But also, like, you know, this is just supposed to be a recap episode to prepare you for Scream 6. So I don't want to take up all your time because the more time that I take up, the less time you have to watch Scream 6 and all the other Screams if you haven't already. You have to, you have to prepare yourself like a test. Right? You have to watch all of the other screams and then go and see Scream 6. And then after you see Scream 6, well, actually, no, before you see Scream 6, after you've watched all of the other Scream movies, listen to this episode. And then go see Scream 6. And then after you see Scream 6, then go to my Instagram and see what I thought about it. <laughs> because I am your trusty and handy um film what do you call it what do you call it no i don't want to say critic but like um film um oh my gosh film i lost it i lost it whatever um either way you trust me with with my reviews you trust me with my thoughts on these movies and I appreciate you for it. And so I will not let you down. If I genuinely do not like Scream 6, I will not lie to you. Although I really do think I'm going to like it. I don't think why I would, I don't know why I wouldn't like it. Anyways, if you have not already, go buy your tickets for Scream 6. And I hope you have a bloody good time. And, um, yeah. In case you don't know where to find me on any of my social medias, I, I, I don't know how many times I can reiterate it to you all, but I'll do it. Um, you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Your Horror Podcast because this is Your Horror Podcast, the podcast you turn to for all of your horror movie and book needs. You can also find me on TikTok at the unbound rewound podcast i've not posted on there in so long y'all and i feel terrible um but i this is like this is like the this is like the third to last episode of the season and so after that like 
I'll have so much more time to create TikTok content. As bad as it sounds, like, you know, it's like, oh, you should be able to juggle all of it. This is a one-woman show. I cannot do it all. I am so sorry. But anyways, you can't find me on there. I do post fun stuff sometimes. And uh, I also have an Etsy shop. It's literally your horror podcast. I say it all the time. But I created it mainly for me so that I can buy my own merch. But in the case you want a cute little sticker or two, a cute little pin to put on your bag, or a tote bag to put your Your Horror pin on, you can find those all on the Etsy shop at Your Horror Podcast. And last but not least, if you're interested in being a guest on the show, make sure you find the guest form in the show notes below to fill it out, and I will reach out to you. We can talk movies, books, whichever you prefer, and get this thing rolling. Once again, thank you so much for listening to this episode and for turning to me with all your horror books. And thanks so much for listening to this episode. And thanks so much for turning to me for all of your horror book and movie needs. I will catch you next episode.